Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, they get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. So we have a great show lined up today, Connor. We have nothing to do with me and you, of course, who are going to start yeah. off the show with a little bit of football um, news. The, we have David Fitzgerald coming up on the show. It was a good interview I did yesterday. And Johnny Pilkington, whose Laker Gale is on tonight um, on TG Cahar at half past nine. Johnny Pilkington is one of my favourite players. Uh, I was a teenager in the 90s, so I have very, very fond memories um, of those years. I tried to get Johnny onto the show during the last lockdown um, when I was doing tribute shows. And he politely declined. But I suppose the call of Lake Regale, uh, Connor, is probably something that I can't really compete with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fairness, I can't argue with that, Willie. I mean, there's a there's a track record of that's uh, all the legendary figures have gone through Lake Regale rather than your tribute shows. But the key is once you build up the tribute shows, Willie, and once you have a bank, bank them put together, then you can go to Johnny Pilk and you can, and you can say, here, listen, I'm bigger than Lake Regale now, so come on my show. So they'll be ringing me up. They'll be ringing <laughs> me up, Connor. That's the way that's the way it works. So we like to start these shows um, with a little bit of news as to where we stand. I suppose there is a little bit. It's not really news, Connor. It's pretty much what we kind of knew already. Um, so the COVID-19 advisory group met on Monday um, and they've decided against allowing collective training um, at the moment. They're going to meet again on February 15th. So, like, I mean, I was told that the rule of thumb kind of is when schools go back, inter-county teams can go back. So I think that's where they're looking at. I think the government are going to start filtering schools back in the middle of February. And, you know, definitely by Mar next March the 5th, we'll have all teams training potentially before that. 
Yeah, just listening to um to me all Martin there um earlier on this week, he said that um schools and construction were the priority. So I uh, yet imagine that the G like the GA is technically can proceed now because it's elite, but it looks like it's going off the guidance of the government as well, and that's not going to happen until there's some some sort of easing of easing of restrictions, even if that's just in relation to schools and construction. So I suppose the the one thing is there is. I think we spoke about it a couple of couple of weeks ago as well, and uh, like saying that you know if you're optimistic about it, there is a sign of it returning eventually. So that like hopefully by that stage, and hopefully, but well, I think if they don't, they want to have them back. They're they're still saying the commencement of competitions by the end of the March is a definite possibility. So if they're thinking of it's definite possibility, they have to have them back training by the end of February because there has to be a four week window. They've committed to that. So yeah. So light in the horizon. So hopefully we'll, we'll have a clearer picture in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I don't I'd love to go back to the county by county approach. Like Leash had only six new cases yesterday. Like it's under control in Leash. Why can't the Leash Intercounty team train outside? Do you know what I mean? When you see the national numbers, it can be, you know, give a certain impression. And then you see other counties like Kerry, they're doing fantastically well. You know, I think we scrapped that county by county um idea way too early. Like, I mean, it didn't work out too well for Leash because we were stuck on a three week ban because we had like, I don't know, in a full week we we had something like 50 cases <laughs> like you know yeah. like when you look back on that those kind of lockdowns back last summer they were absolutely mental you know like i mean it's a much more serious situation it has been for the last six weeks um but i think at least we're coming out of it now you'd like i don't know maybe i ju I'd just like to go back maybe each county could then p potentially you know police themselves if you know what i mean rather than this obsession with someone going to bloody lanzarote yeah, yeah. I imagine that the, the GA are thinking that the problem with letting counties police themselves is that they they would fear then that there'd be breaches in other counties and that their 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 case for being strong on other counties would be weakened if they let the counties where it's under control train away. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I haven't thought about that, that in any great detail, Bully, so I don't want to get into it too much, but, but hopefully going on what we were saying a couple of weeks ago that we are yeah, a couple of minutes ago that we will be in a situation where everybody and it's not just you know individual counties where it's under control yeah. will be in a position where they'll be able to be back training by the end of February start of March talking about breaches and stuff like that Jesus the GA have come down pretty hard on Cork and Down 12 week suspension for their managers now I suppose in a way like you'd say fair enough it is their managers that organised this session um, I'd probably agree that it's the manager not the players who are following direction you know you you don't want to be seen as to turn down a training session. That's not what players do. They go out and do what they're told. They were training on a beach and in a school. Again, outside. Again, the optics are not good. You know, the counties involved say that all safety precautions were, you know, adhered to, etc. Again, 12-week suspension. That's a fair old suspension for Paddy Talley and Ronan McCarthy. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, well, just in my opinion, anyway, I, I I don't have I don't have a huge amount of sympathy in either case, and like the reason for that is that I if you just think back to at the time, right? So like, listen, they have their excuses. Like Down said that it was just a one-off gathering where they were, you know, handing out programs and and stuff like that for for the players to follow when they were in lockdown. And Cork will say that they followed, you know, they breached no guidelines, technically breached no guidelines. They followed the medical advice to the letter of the law, but they came at a time where. It came at a time just after Christmas where the situation had badly, it started to badly escalate out of control. Yeah, and not yeah. only that, but there was a fairly strong, strong letter um, issued by the GA to counties that they are not under any circumstances to train collectively. Now, you know, they can, the, Paddy Talley and Ronan McCarthy can talk about the technicalities, but they met up and they, well, Cork certainly trained collectively. What Down did on, on, on that night, I don't know. And like the thing is, why they can say that they've maybe been hard done by is that they've, 
technically they've been done under a law that has been breached loads of times in the past. You know, when counties aren't supposed to train collectively, they've trained collectively. But like, you know, the, the, the line has to be drawn somewhere. And just given the circumstances of where Ireland was as a society with COVID when when the breaches happened, I, I like I, I I don't have any real issue with the GA coming down coming down hard and if, if they're to set some sort of example if they want to prevent this sort of thing from happening in the future unfortunately Paddy Talley and Ronan McCarthy are the ones that bore the brunt of it in this case but I don't really have any issue with it uh, yeah. in my, anyway mm, maybe three months a little bit too much I would say but like I mean at the same time uh, it, it, it definitely sends out a message to not mm. be messing with the you know with the, the restrictions but uh, Darren O'Hagan was tweeting saying um, he was uh, obviously down player he's down captain I'm pretty sure Paddy Telly should be celebrated for his outstanding service to the GEA. Instead, he's being deliberately targeted by a centralized media by centralized media leaks and press briefings to attack his good character. He has guided and mentored down footballers on and off the field through unprecedented times. There's no doubt about that. If somebody's going to be scapegoated, I think that's unfair. I think um, Paddy Talley can be celebrated as a great man for down football, but also, you know, let that not get in the way of the fact that he he broke the rules and he's got he's been suspended a little bit too long for my liking. But anyways, um, you know, we'll see it. It'll it'll probably obviously be this month and they'll miss the National League. So however way to sort that out. I was really disappointed in the Independent there this week. Colin Keyes had a piece and he'd have he'd, he'd be fairly well connected in Croke Park, as you know, a lot of the, the journalists did have good did have good uh, leads in there. Mm. And and like, I mean, he's talking about that you know the way right this year there's going to be a congress to decide on one of anyone that follows the show knows that this is what's going to happen this year that there's a special congress this year and they're going to decide on three options they're going to decide on a league based championship they're going to decide on a real stupid uh, four provinces where counties are put into the different provinces that I don't see that getting any support and the status quo is another one and like I mean most people thought like you know we'll go through just uh, a version of the championship this year and then next year you know when everything's Jesus I know we said last year that this year everything will be back to normal Connor. but surely to God I don't know if if things are back to normal next year um, I don't know what I'm going to do I'm, I'm emigrating and that's it you won't have to listen to me anymore <laughs> anyways what's going to ha- what's going to happen now according to Colm Keyes, is that next year he's saying that instead of going to this new championship structure, which will be great and exciting, well, depending if it gets voted in, that they're going to go along with the Super 8s in 2022 because they want to fulfil the three-year mandate that the Super 8s were, were for three years. And obviously they went for two years and then we have two years of disruption and they want to finish out a championship structure that is not popular and that they want to change. And what is the point of doing that? Well, so I was reading this piece, William, and I'm just trying to read this right, because there's a line in it that says, um, so it, it speaks about the completion of the Super 8s for the third year, but it also says, however, a vote to bring in the split season with July conclusions to an All-Ireland final will take place at a virtual Congress, and if carried, is likely to be in place by 2022. Well, so you, see, you, can, no, you, no, you can do a split season with the Super 8s, I'm sure, as well. Like, that's a separate the, thing. I'd so they want the split season, and they want the super. Like they could, we could be looking at next year. We could be looking at a split season with the super eights in it as well. Which just to me, like complicates complicates matters completely. I mean, I, I don't know. Like the, to me anyway, the super eights were a novel in their novel in their first year. People were getting, you know, seemed to be getting a little bit tired of it in the second year. And given everything that's gone on since, like I, I nearly completely forgotten about the super eights as a concept. Yeah. I think a lot of people had, and to me, it'd be just be a huge step back. There's there's a mood for there was a mood for change 
uh, in the championship anyway. And it has only been accelerated by everything that's gone on in the last year. That that change is possible, you know, and, and change is possible at a relatively short period of time as well, given what we've done in the last year. So to to just to to be going back at the Super 8s for a third year, nearly just to pay lip service to to complete it. Yeah. You know, for the sake of completing it, seems like a complete step back to me. Whereas, as you said, you could be starting a championship with flip the season on its head, which is the, the, the seems to be the most popular option. You could be looking at doing that that in 22 with a fresh start, as opposed to having to wait until 23, 2023 and finishing the Super 8s for the sake of it just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, yeah, I know it does. And hopefully they'll change their mind on that because if a lovely new fresh start next year maybe would put all this bloody nightmare year and a half or t- could be two years by the time it's over by the way they talk um, you would put us behind us but anyways um, our Mav had some change they've had a lot of change actually to their backroom team the latest has been the addition of Kieran McKeever who has been a pundit on this show uh, plenty of times so that's a good appointment for Kieran McGee and he obviously did have a good relationship as you know friends um, he is in replacing Paddy McKeever and John Toll and we know Kieran McGee's in, or Kieran Donaghy's in there as well so Kieran Donaghy and Kieran McKeever replaced Paddy McKeever and John Toll. Uh, Kieran McGinney is still looking for a number two. Jim McCurry, he stepped down for personal reasons. Um, apparently, I was just reading about because I don't think we talked about this at the time. Kieran Donaghy's role. Um, he was saying I'll be working with the forwards and defensive stuff. Probably bringing my basketball background and a small bit of experience on the GEA pitch to the setup. And apparently he's up the north there with work and or he's up in Dublin. He stays a couple of nights and he's going to tip up. Um, he must know Kieran McGinney. Um, I was kind of scratching my head wondering what will that role be? I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of um, Andrew Mernon, you know, in at full forward. And can McGinney or can uh, Donaghy give him a few tips? What kind of ball to give him? And then I was wondering, you know, Armagh are desperate at getting in. Get, are, they're not great at breaking through teams that have bodies back. And can McGee or can I keep calling Kieran Donaghy, Kieran McGinney? There's so many Kieran's. There's a Kieran McKeever, Kieran McGinney and Kieran Donaghy. I'm getting confused here. Could Donaghy potentially, you know, do a little bit of basketball moves and, uh, you know, things that J.O. helped Dublin with. And then he says he's going to help on the defensive stuff. And I'm wondering, what the hell is he doing that for? And maybe there's some basketball defensive stuff as well that he could go in there, like, shuffling across to the side, the ball is coming down, etc., etc. You know, all this kind of technical stuff. That's a far cry from the 90s when I grew up playing GEA, Connor. Just on the, the defensive stuff, well, he's something I thought I was thinking about with Armagh, like, who are a team that... Try to play the, you know, they they try to play an attacking philosophy, but like the best teams that have attacking philosophy, to me anyway, also have they defend, they defend very well on the front foot. They defend from the front, basically. Like, uh, you know, I think there was stats about the the Mayo full forward line and how much ball they turn over. You can see that's that's true of Dublin as well, obviously. And it's something I don't associate with Armagh. Maybe that's being unfair to them, but I don't associate their forward line with being you know, having relentless intensity on, you know, when 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 they're pressing from the front or, or trying to tackle from the front. And maybe that that's something that, that, that Kieran Donnie can help with, especially with basketball. Like anytime I've heard Kieran Donnie use basketball analogies in term, you know, in relation to GA, I've been very impressive impressed with how he talks about it. Like it's very interesting stuff. And I imagine a lot of to do with spatial awareness and and in attack, it's just like our man need to be you talked about their their struggle to get past teams with bodies back. Sometimes, especially I'm thinking of Roscommon in the league this year and Donegal in the championship, they just have, they maybe haven't waited, haven't been patient enough to wait for the right option. And like basketball and attack is, is, is a lot about that, you know, so you'd imagine Donny will, will, will be able to, um, to be at that. But I don't, I, I, in general, I don't think a freshening up of the Armagh backroom team is no harm because 
I know, Willie, you've been a cheerleader for, for Armagh for, for the last few years, but to me, when it comes to the crunch, they've always flattered to deceive um, yeah. in, in their biggest games in the last few years. So they're not changing manager, you know, but they are. There will be a fresh approach with Kieran McGeever, Kieran McGeever, Kieran Donny in. I don't think that'll do them any harm. Yeah, no, like, I mean, I, I have cheerleaded Armagh and Kildare and I want to officially say that I'm off those two bandwagons. I've given up hope with them. I need, I need to find a couple of new teams to, you know, uh, kind of uh, back up and have faith in and defend because I ain't doing it for our man Kildare anymore unless they really pull it out of the fire this year and pull me back in. Um, you know, I've I've given up on the two of them. Uh, David Goff has been talking this week and he's been talking about uh, motivation and a bit on the lockdowns and he was saying it, it's not been easy. Each lockdown has brought a different level of anxiety around when, we're, when are we going to get back out and it's hard to stay motivated and to stay fit. Unlike inter-county teams, we don't have the facilities to meet the same way twice a week or when uh, normally the, the or, or more when normally sort of resumes. He said, so even having to train on our own is nothing new to us, but with no prospect of matches in sight and smaller number of matches, it's been very difficult for referees to stay motivated. Uh, I can totally relate, uh, David. How, I like, I mean, Jesus, uh, every January... I, oh, I always get out of shape at Christmas, obviously, um, having a few pints and even in the lead up to Christmas, the dark evenings, every single January, I'm back in the gym. I get back in shape. I'm more positive. I feel great. I don't drink as much. And this year has just been like, what kind of a January is this, Connor? We can't, can't even do that. So I've just continued my Christmas kind of routine on in true January. And it's absolutely no good for your, your physical or mental um, health. And I completely know where David's coming from. I, I tried for the first week of January to go training and then it's raining and the gyms are closed and you're outside. And I'm like, I just give up halfway through and I go, what am I doing here? Yeah, I, I think somebody said to me that because I did it last year. I think somebody said to me uh, this first week of January, are you doing dry January? I'm like, oh, yeah, I am not doing dry January. Yeah. This, no way. But like the, the like I, I and again, just from an individual point of view, I get where he's coming from, because especially like if, if people are working from home, for example, you can't unless you you have adequate facilities or you live in an area that's well lit up. It's not as if you can go like out for even a jog in the evenings because it's too dark. And and then just to try and like you're you're looking at again unless you have a, a shed that you can kit out your little gym or something like that, you know you're you're having to do you having to you rely on doing some exercises in a small room or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, but but kind of but kind of you think of even training with Kilshima on a wet cold winter night, you'd fa you'd fancy not going, and that's what a manager going to come down yeah. on you. Imagine actually how individuals, especially when they get it to their you know mid thirties or forties where they're not with a team, it's 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 practically impossible to motivate yourself. Yeah, no, completely. Like, I, I would say on that, Willie, that like the, the prospect even of a, a training in a, in a wet and cold night actually appeals to me at the moment because I haven't been able to get out of the house. Besides, you know, it's it's mad how the stuff that you normally would have dread, you'd actually look forward to it this time. Yeah. But, but that's, you know, like I, I, I completely understand. Uh, I completely understand where um, where David Goff is from coming from. Like, obviously, they they have to have a kind of a, a, a real big handle on their own personal fitness, because, as he said, it's not as if. Well, certainly, I imagine club referees train together to a certain degree. I know I know they have. I'm pretty sure they do in Mayo, you know, when, when things are normal. But like Andrew County referees, it's not as if they're in a position to gather and train collectively and, you know, keep them motivate themselves to keep them in shape. So. Definitely understand where he's coming from. You just have yeah. to wait till the 
wait till the evenings are a bit brighter and do those 5k time trials that were in vogue there uh, Martin. Oh April. yeah. In fairness to David Goff, just don't worry about it David. You don't have to mark anyone. You don't have to complain. Just go between the 265s you know and, and stop blowing for those off the ball pulling of jerseys. You won't have to run all the way down for that free then. So just you know use your experience, adapt your refereeing style and just stand around the middle. That's all he has to do. He was actually talking about the TMOs and he's in favour. He says it would be great help to of ref- or it would be great help to referees to be able to review incidents on screens, on monitors at the halfway line or in Croke Park, where we have the two large screens. Now, Croke Park will not show anything on those large screens. Any Anyone that's been in a match in Croke Park, it's incredibly frustrating that they won't show incidents. Sometimes you think watching a match in Croke Park, would I be better off watching this at home where I can actually see what happened there? And you're asking everyone, did you see that? Anyways, he says, purely because the decisions are so vital and the teams are training so hard, we don't want to make the wrong decision and we want to be best informed um, to make those decisions. He says, I do like the idea rugby has where there's a TMO and there's a discussion. Everyone can hear the discussion, watch the same replay and hear the referee truck talk through the process of what's happening, etc. And like, I mean, I do think that would be the best way of doing it. I'm thinking of like something extreme, like Joe Sheridan's goal against Loud. Like a goal like that can't happen. But then I'm thinking of, say like, say for example, Cora Finn's unbelievable hand pass goal, right? Like, say for example, the referee, you know, they, they start losing the run of themselves with this and they start looking back. Did he actually make a striking action on one of those hand passes or did he take five steps instead of four? And technically, can we rule this brilliant goal out? Do you, do you know what I mean, Connor? Because I think like referees will by nature think, right, you know, I have the TMO. If I get something like this wrong, I'll be absolutely lynched. And they might be going to this all the time. Like, I mean, it's hard to know whether I'm in favour of wanting this to come in for the Joe Sheridan incident. Now, I'm not saying the Curafin, any of the Curafin is true, but I'm just giving that as an as an example. Yeah, so I was about to maybe point to the example of, of, of VAR in football, for example. And I was thinking that, like, well, outside of handballs and offsides, I I don't really mind VAR that, uh, an awful lot, to be honest, because I think you quickly get used to it. And if it if it means that the good the right decision is going to be made, well, then fair enough. And I was thinking that maybe, well, the likes of handballs and offsides wouldn't apply to GAA. But then you make the point there that depending on how finicky they want to get, they, they could go back and review those incidents. And that would spoil it completely because David Goff mentions rugby, but like TMOs, you know, they work naturally in rugby because rugby is so stop start anyway. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. like the, the big worry about uh, the big worry about TMO um, in GA, for example, would that would that would it would be that it would disrupt disrupt the flow of the game, and there would there would be huge potential there if if they were to get too finicky about it, how they how they would do it. But if there were some protocols in place to say that um, it's only when let's say only when the TMO after reviewing an incident like Joe Sheridan, for example, then buzzes David Goff and he goes, listen, you have to go back and have a look here because it's patently obvious that there's been a massive decision made that's wrong and needs review. But that's, you know, that's easier said than done that you could, you know, draw a line in the sand to say, well, this is the only thing we review and we don't review anything else. So I like it in theory, but I would be very worried about how it would potentially disrupt the flow of the game. Yeah, no, I'd be very wary. I'd be very wary. And obviously the big crime in the Joe Sheridan goal was not giving Lau the replay. You know, obviously they got it terribly wrong at the time, but that was absolutely desperate that they didn't get a replay um, for that. So there was no justice done in that one at all. I, I don't know. I'd be leaning against the TMO um, in GEA, if I'm being honest, because like there's small technical, we know the steps. We know some people take the, the piss out of the steps, but if you're between four and six steps, 
you know, nobody ever gives out about that. We've seen occasions yeah. where people get away with 12 bloody steps and that's outrageous. But like, I mean, if, if a goal was disallowed because some fella took four or took six steps in the build up, sometimes it can be very, very frustrating in rugby where you see a brilliant try and it's called back and it's disallowed for a desperately little feckin' technical yeah. issue that was a good bit back. It's like, ah, oh, that is, te- you know, that is like, it, that's just boring, you know, at that stage. And that is with a, a really stop-start type of game like rugby. Um, you're right on that. Um, talking about motivation, Connor, one man that likes to keep himself busy is Davy Fitzgerald. He has a new show on RT called Davy's Toughest Team. And that's on every Monday night or for the next, it's on last Monday night and on for the next three Monday nights. It comes the night after his other show, Ireland's Fittest Family, which which is on Sunday nights. And Davy joins us on the line now. We can't keep you off the telly, Davy. Yeah, well, sir, listen, I didn't last long in the championship this year, so I'm trying to make up for it. So, <laughs> so I, I'm getting in my, my other parts there now. Um, no, it, it's something different, Colm, and um very, very happy and proud of the lads and how they came across um, the last day. It isn't easy to go on a show like that publicly and do it, you know? Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's it's there's running for three more weeks, is it, Davy? Yeah, we have three more weeks of it, um, like... I can remember we started filming in early 2020 and I think we might have finished in August last year um, with lockdowns with every bits and pieces. It, it took a while, so um, we, we managed to get four four shows out of it. But I just hope that it can make a, a small difference to the lads and maybe make a small difference to people looking at us that this is what's out there. This is um, real life for certain people. And um, like, I mean, I think there's a footballer from Kildare on it who might be used to, you know, being shouted at and stuff like that in GA dress rooms. How did the other lads react to your 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 ways? Yeah, well, I think you might see a bit a bit of a difference um, if watching the next three shows. Um, even dealing with the teams, I'd like to think it isn't all shouting. Um, there's a time and a place, Colm. Yeah. Um, there's a time and a place for that. There's a time and a place for trying to get a decision your way, but there's also trying to understand the individuals and trying to get the best out of them. And maybe that might be the complete opposite. And maybe over the last few years, I've tried to do that a bit more. It's where I try and understand the individual and get the best I can out of them. Yeah, I think that yeah, the last time I was talking to you, that's what you'd move more towards rather than the, you know, more understanding the players than the the, the old school motivation of shouting at them. I listen every now and again, something I need, maybe Every so often, might happen once or twice a year at the most, um, that you'll, you'll go down their throat. It mightn't even happen that. Um, then there's times um, you'll just motivate them. Um, so it is. But in general, I like talking. I like to see what's going on with someone. like to understand where they're actually at because that has a big... If you have a player that something has gone wrong outside of in his personal life, well, then if you can try and help him, he'll be in better form and he'll be looking forward more to getting out in the field and doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Come here, have you have you sat down and analysed what happened Wexford last year? Obviously, you know, you've just mentioned, uh, it, it, you know, it wasn't the best year ever. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I, I have my thoughts on it. I'm pretty certain I have the reason why we didn't perform, but I'm not going to, I prefer even not to talk about it myself personally because then you're seen as an excuse. It is what it is. It's over. I think we've identified certain things and um, we'll try and work on them for next year and try and be better. Right. Okay. So you have like you've sat down and discussed it with the with the players or whatever on a Zoom yeah. call, and you've yeah. gotten to the players, bottom of it. management. We we've talked about everything. Like 
we don't go off from spending three or four years being very, very competitive in, in every single game. I think you can count in less than one hand how many like games we weren't competitive in the three or four, three years previous to that, right? Yeah. So even in early 2020 column, in winning the Welsh Cup, we won four of our five National League games, and next thing we weren't competitive at all. Like yeah. There had to be a reason, right? So we think we've identified what it was. Not saying in 2021 we won't lose games, or, but I'd like to think we'd be back very competitive. Yeah, it's definitely, there's no doubt when you, you paint the picture like that, I was thinking maybe expectations might have got too high based on the great performance yeah. last year. Because you look at it from the outside, Davey, when, when everyone saw the draw for the for the Wexford Club Championship, a lot of people were saying, geez, Davey's pulled a fast one there now. He'll have that Hurling Championship over nice and early and he'll get the lads in. And uh, maybe, did you overdo the training? No, it was actually nothing to do with that whatsoever. Um if you look at Wexford's situation, right, all my guys, the club championship in Wexford was actually really, really good. It was top drawer, right? Um, the lads, like, one of the things, and i just say it is, I thought that definitely, I thought the county would happen before the club because I said, logically, it's easier to manage a group of 30 or 40 people in one county rather than manage every club team, right? So probably June or July, we were in unbelievable shape and did a great club championship. So that ended, I think, on the end of August, start of September. And we were getting back. We were actually went back, I think, on the, Ju- the 14th of September. But what I didn't probably take into account as much was every single guy bar one on our panel plays football. So they'll be training three nights a week with the football after that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to, I was not going to stop them doing what they wanted to do. Was I very worried that they'd, they train with me on a Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday and they'll be with their club Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. I was. Yeah. I was. So, and so people what? thought we were trying to pull a... There was no fast one column. What it was, and this is to tell you the truth, was the hurling clubs got a chance to hurl them one week after another, right? And you just take it. If you were playing hurling football, hurling football, well, then you might have certain clubs gaining a massive advantage that, that mightn't have played, taken football serious or didn't play it as far as other clubs would have whereas everyone had a level playing field and the quality of the hurling was unreal because it was week after week and then for the football it was the exact same level yeah. playing field and practicing your football week after week as well so I think the county board tried to do the right thing did Davy fix as much as people were saying have a say on it not one bit did I have a say on it and trust me it didn't stand to Wexford as good as people thought it might have no and if you're like well if you were to have a say in it next year you'd put the hurling second right um, you would, but if you put it second, like I don't, I think you'd have to forfeit training to go back way longer because I don't think you could do seven days a week. I think that was a massive issue. Yeah. Um, like you had missed two or three months of county training, and you were trying to train club football and county hurling together, and I just think it's too much in the lads. I think it's overload. And believe it or not, I wouldn't be a person that would want to overload. I might overload in pre-season for two or three weeks. That's it. Yeah, but I wouldn't do it apart from that. I believe in freshness and wanting to get out there and enjoy your game and play it. So um, it, it certainly was a different 2020, so it was, you know. But I have to say I enjoyed the championship. I enjoyed watching the games. It, I, like, I mean, so when the football championship came on then after the hurling, like you realistically might only get them once a week then, would you? Actually, listen, you were getting them. You were getting them, but I didn't realise probably how much stuff they were actually doing. And then when they got to semi-finals and finals, 
they didn't want to train with you, and that was coming into in the September, start of October. Yeah. But I actually totally understand it, even though you're tearing your hair out at the time. So it it was what it was. Listen, I don't I don't blame the clubs. I I understand that, even though I'd be trying to get the best for my side. But I wasn't going to flat take them on and say no, you're not doing this or you're not doing that, you know. Yeah, I saw Henry Shefflin said after the Wexford game that Wexford looked overcoached. Um, like, I mean, the opposite is probably true if you didn't have them in the lead up to the championship. Yeah, like you, um, you have your homework done on that. I was probably taken back a bit by Henry. He didn't do his homework, and when you're making comments, I think it's very important to do your homework. Um, I don't think he had a clue what he was talking about, and I'd have massive respect for him as a person. But I was very disappointed in that. They weren't overcoached. Um, that's for definite. I didn't get enough of what I wanted to get done when I'm done. But I, I, I tried to understand the club scene as much as I could. And um, you know what? Them lads are a great bunch, the Wexford boys. They'll give you everything, but they won't let down. They'll try and keep everybody happy. Um, they don't want to let down their clubs either, and that's very important. Yeah, I, I was trying to get to the bottom of the performance as well, Davy, and I was trying to say, oh, look, maybe the running game, the hard running game is more suited to the summer and things like that. But you've always had good leagues, so that probably doesn't add up either. Oh, yeah, we have. As I said to you, I don't want to get into it like we were poor. And that was it. I've talked to you about different things. Um, it is what it is, and there's nothing we can do about it. And um, thankfully, um, like in fairness, a lot of other counties, you if you perform that badly, the public could give you a lot of stick. You'll get a small bit in Wexford, but in general, they're top class. And I'd love to see the ordinary GA support around the, the country be that way. We don't have to constantly dig at people and go at people all the time when they're not performing, you know? Yeah. Have you have you thought about maybe tweaking uh, systems or anything going into this year? You're in your fifth year now. Like I was thinking a, a simple a simple kind of tweak would be to use your centre-back as the sweeper like other teams do instead of bringing back a forward. And that's that's an old-fashioned thing, right? Um, that's something that every team does, is they sit their six and they... Yeah. Like, I look at a lot of teams out there, Column, and they're playing sweepers. There's one particular team that's very successful and they've way more than one sweeper. They've a rake in their back line all the time. Um, so they do. Of course, you can sit a six. I do with my club every now and again. Um, have we looked at one or two things at Wexford? Yeah, we've looked at one or two things, but... I love the way we play. We get 40 shots off a game. We get seven and eight up attacking a lot of the time. Um, but we are looking, I'm always looking to see can I do something different. I have one or two things in the head and we've had a few management meetings over Zoom and you know what, we're, we're constantly looking, what can we do a bit different? Um, I, I, I just love, if you can get 40 shots off in a game, that's that's unreal. And um, trying to come up with, okay, can we get more goal threats? I think in the Galway game, we had actually three goal chances in the first half. Um, didn't take them. And they were flicking decent chances, I'll tell you. Yeah. Well, I, su- I suppose that's it. Like, I mean, the, the, the obvious change with you is that you'll bring a forward back to sweep, but your centre-back marks. So you actually don't end up in any kind of different defensive shape than the other teams. Yeah, well, you don't, right? That means that a lot of teams like will have their six straight away come back. My six doesn't have to go back straight away. Yeah. You have a lot of number 10, 11, and 12. Don't they get a lot of soft ball out the field? I can think of one team in particular that gets an awful lot of soft t- ball out the field. They don't like Dan Wexford because we won't let them do that. Um, so you have different people thinking different ways, and I respect everyone and the way they think, but I also think they should respect the way we play as well and what we try and do.
Yeah, I think you have Niall Corcoran brought in now. Brendan Bugler stepped aside. He's just making babies yeah. at the moment, Davey, by the looks of things. Yeah, congratulations to him. They had, yeah, Stephen Joe had a child there. Yeah, which is, like he said to me, with the journey and the amount of time, like I think he's hooked up a bar there, which is only 40 minutes down the road for him, and we wish him the best. Brendan's a super guy, great knowledge of stuff, and um, he, he'll he be an asset. I, I think I'll work with him again in the future. Um, which I'd look forward to, but we have Nylon. Um didn't take me too long to probably um to pick Nile up because I valued what he'd done with Lee. She's done a great job and haven't talked to him. I met him there one day, Colum, and um, the chat we had was incredible. I only went for twenty minutes, ended up probably an hour and a half or more with him, you know. Right. So well that's obviously important to be on the same wavelength. That's an important job, obviously, right? Well, I think there's no point bringing in a, a, another coach or bringing in someone that sees the game completely different to how you'd see it. And yeah. the thing I, I love with um, Niall is he's open to Everton. He looks at Everton. And that's, I'm excited about working with a guy like that, that. Okay, he's mad to learn. I'm mad to learn things off him. And we see the game pretty similar. And even where we think it can go, we're looking at as well, you know? Yeah, so like I mean, because I thought I was watching Leash, like they mo- they probably modelled their system a lot on Wexford's. Um, well, we'd be pretty similar. Um, so we would we wouldn't be a hundred miles away. And yeah. um, if you look at Leash in the last year or two, like they've had some pretty good results. They've competed. I think the big thing was to get the leashes of this world and other teams up competing. Like I want Wexford to stay competing at the top table, whether we win or not. We have to compete and be competitive. Come here. One other thing I wanted to ask you was the you know, it was another high profile thing during the year. Obviously, in the clear game, there was someone in the stand giving you grief. Now I don't want to get into the what they were saying or anything like that. But did it distract you trying to watch the game? Um, probably the first few minutes. I didn't. I didn't honestly expect it. Um, I I didn't expect someone would stoop that low. Um, from my own county, like I. I played for 20 years. I'd managed and won a lot with them. Um, to say it was disgusting and rotten would put it mildly. Um, not classy. Um, disappointed Clare County Board didn't deal with it. But it is what it is, Cullum. Um, it's grand to say forget about it, but I don't think it should be part of the game, and especially coming from my own county. And I know I've met a lot of people down in Clare, and they've said absolutely disgusted with it. And um, it shouldn't have been tolerated, but that's the way it is. And I suppose um, I'll just have to get over it. Now, like, I mean, what I was wondering about that was, was this just like a personal issue with you from this fella? Or do you think he was de- de- like uh, deliberately trying to put you off, you know, trying to concentrate on the game? Well, the same fella would have done hurdles for every single game. And it's funny, the one game he didn't do was that one. So I don't right. know. Um, I'm just disappointed in that. Um, if you're to have someone out with someone have a face to face and and do it Um, I believe that Um, listen after the first few minutes I grew tired of it anyhow I I didn't even bother me but it's just disappointing and I think even like one leash official came to me afterwards and he said that was disgusting he said I said there's no place in in our games for that kind of stuff and um it and did, just, did, it was, did it did it did it cross your mind to bring the bring it to the attention of the referee and get him sent out of there? Yeah, um, I actually said it 
to the, I think, the fourth official, and he said to me, there's nothing I can do about it. I found that hard to believe. Um, so I do. Um, so, But that's what I was told. So it's funny, if you say a word to the referee, or said even a tenth of what your man said to me, I'd be probably getting a ban for a few months. Yeah. And yes, everyone could hear that, and there are very few in the stadium, and it's okay. Um, that's, and that's I think I'll get, get over it, but it's not right. No, and nobody in the, nobody understands. So this has been, you know, sounding even louder. Yeah, listen, you know what? It is. He's a, it's done now. If if that's condoned by them people, that's fine. I just I'd like to think um, we'd never go down that route of doing something like that. Yeah, well, come here. Will it just well to finish that game on a on a nice note? I saw you after the game. The cameras were on you, and all the clear lads came up and shook your hand. So, like, I mean, that was obviously a bad result, and the abuse that whoever you were getting was bad. But, like, I mean, that was a. I'm sure that was a nice moment for you, and maybe a bit of closure on that whole kind of clear thing. Yeah, well, I think you've seen me from day one. I've never said a bad thing about the clear players, and I wouldn't. Um, we had a lot of good times, Colm. Um, like we spent a lot of time together and people wanted to make up X, Y, and Z. Will I keep, would I keep every uh, player on the player panel or even the extra panel happy? Not a hope. If you went into management with any team, you're not going to keep everyone happy, but I'd like to think in general. And I got a few messages off them even after that, even about the abuse. And it was pretty unreal. life. The text kept, and it's just, I'm so, even the way they came up afterwards was, it was, um, I thought it was, it was really nice touch, and it was one I really, really appreciated. And I have nothing but respect for them guys. And even after that game, I texted a few of them, wishing them the very best in the next game, and really hope they did it. And I genuinely meant it. Like I'm a clear man at the end of the day, and um, I really hope them guys um, can get back to winning stuff under Brian Lohan. Yeah, definitely. It's hard to believe a double All Ireland winner and an All Ireland winning manager will get abuse off somebody in his own county. Like, I mean, that 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 might happen to me, but it, it doesn't make sense why somebody who's been so successful with a county would get would get abuse like that. It doesn't make. I, I just don't get it. Come here before I let you go, because I know you're very busy. Ireland's fittest family, Davy. Very, very successful. Um, I watch it and I enjoy it. I have an idea for you for a Christmas special and it's called Ireland's Fittest Club. So you have GEA clubs hurling, football, soccer, boxing, athletics, and they're all taking each other on in a fittest club. It's the very same format as Ireland's Fittest Family. It goes out at Christmas time. Me and you are going to do it. Uh, pitch it to RTE there. <laughs> You're always thinking, bud. You're always thinking. <laughs> Not a bad idea, though. Not a bad idea. We could have some fun with that, so we do. Um, because because like, there's, that, there's, all, there's, there's that natural competitiveness between all sports. Oh, we're better than you, you know? I think, I actually think something like that would be class now. I'll tell you the truth. Um, and to do it maybe in the off-season and do it over a few days and have it knock out. Like, everybody loves the courses, Colm. And, um, yeah. like, the thing about the courses is you need another person. Like if you're going over obstacles or if you're doing something that you need to help, you need to structure it right. And I love where you have to think about doing something that you just can't rush in. Yes, you have to be fit, but also you have to use your mind. And if you use, if you look at a lot of sports, isn't the physical fitness and even the mental thinking, the mental fitness, that's so important as well, you know? Yeah, no, definitely right. Well, listen, I'll let you go. You have a, you have a think of that while you're driving in your car and I'll leave it up to you to pitch it to RTE. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, take care of yourself. Thanks very much, baby. Talk to you. Good luck, good luck. 
Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. Let's chill the beans. Beans. Let's chill the beans. There still is a lot of work to be done yet. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. But I tell you, give us a year, a year and a bit. Just give us a small bit of time. Just give us a small bit of time. Let's chill the beans. So Lake Regale is back on TG Cahar tonight at 9.30 and this time it's awfully legend Johnny Pilkington's turn. Um, he joins us on the line. Now, Johnny, I've seen this show already. You haven't. Um, it's fantastic. I don't know it's because, if it's because I was a teenager growing up in the 90s and have very, very fond memories of the 90s. I don't know what it is, but it's a brilliant show. Are you, are you looking forward to watching it? Uh, I mean, I'm in two minds uh, looking at it. Um, it's, it's, I haven't seen the show, so listen, thanks, thanks for saying that. It's, it's been a very good show. Um, there's a couple of videos there that are done on the trailers, as you say, which which I wouldn't, which make me cringe, which make me feel, oh, why did I say that? But then when I think about it, I just say, listen, it's, it's tongue in cheek and uh, you know a little bit of immature, but I mean it was it was, it was just something off the cuff as such. So there will be there will be points there, I suppose, you know, that will make me cringe, and there'll be other points there that will actually, you know, I'll be very proud of. So well, I have well, a bit of an anticipation, uh, interpretation, I suppose, is the word. Well, that, well, that's it. Well, I suppose it'll be very nice for your children. Like, I mean, you talk about your children and coaching them towards the end of the show, and they're at an age now where they'll be really able to enjoy tonight's show because I'm sure all the DVDs you've had from the '90s, if it's anything like me, they don't work in televisions anymore. Yeah, yeah, they don't. I mean. It's a double-pranked uh, sword, really, in, in terms of that. And training young people, and I have been involved with teams uh, at underage, and they haven't seen me play, and they're only hearing rumours that their parents are telling them. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're, they're going down there, and they're kind of looking up at me. And then you have these two kind of couple of clips from uh, you speaking before matches and you're making a right easy go with yourself. So, that, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd wonder if they'll actually take me serious at all. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, but they, but that's, that's, that's it. That's the character. That's the nature of me anyway. And hopefully it'll show both sides that there is that serious side and that kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek, just, you know. Yeah. Um, no. Not but, taking the game as serious, you know. Well, well, that's the thing. And like, I mean, you say you cringe at the interviews, the one that goes out in the promo and it's a brilliant, brilliant clip for the promo. It's where Dahi Regan sets up the scene of Gary Kirby being asked before the 94 All-Ireland what it would mean to the people of Limerick. And he talks about the battle against rugby and, you know, aspiring young children. And you and you say you're asked the same question and you say it would mean a hell of a lot of drinking. Like, I mean, I don't know why you'd cringe at that, Johnny. Like you're clearly laughing. Like you, you actually laugh after you say it. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's tongue and cheek. So I suppose, I suppose, really, you know, in in my own point of view and in my own kind of game. I mean, there are all those serious issues and this that and that, you know, in terms of our competition with other sports, in terms of uh, you know the way young people aspire to be and that. But gotta say, you know, hurling is only just that that small little bit of part of your life and there's just and it's supposed to be uh, you know enjoyment for you Um, and if you kind of go in and and take it into all this uh, the be all and end all of it 
you know, well, then you'll be under an awful lot of stress in your life. So, listen, just go out, play the game, have the crack, have the enjoyment after. Like, I mean, the match itself is, is, is only kind of a, a small part of it. And, and the, the enjoyment we would have got would have been straight after the match in amongst the friends that have the same like mind and that. And, you know, the gas thing about it is in all of those areas, you know, we didn't really talk too much about hurling, you know? Yeah, well, let's see. Like, do, you did kind of portray the image of, you know, not taking it all too seriously. And, like, you know, Michael Dignan said on the show that, like, you were very, very serious about it. That was kind of that kind of happy-go-lucky, you know, character. And you like to go for a pint the night before a match. Uh, Dahi Regan said that was because of nerves. You know, like, I mean, w- mm. was that just something you wanted to do yourself? Was it nerves? Was it, you know, just trying to get out of the house? Yeah, I think I think it did help. I think it helped me in a big day. I was fairly, you know, a nervous person in terms of that if you go to any individual sport I'm playing golf at the moment give me a two foot putt and I can guarantee you I'm a bag of nerves and, 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 <laughs> and you know if I had a little bit in the bag there to kind of just get a swig of it just to kind of calm it so yeah it, it did it did it did help it did, definitely did help in terms of the three or four you went home and, and you had your sleep you know I suppose the other thing is that I didn't hide it and I didn't hide the fact listen I was a smoker and that and I didn't hide that uh, you know, you hear of lads and right throughout there that they go off to some other town or whatever or some other county and have the three or four or, or that, you know. So um, I didn't. I said, listen, I do it out in the open. There's no there's no major issue with that. On top of that, when you kind of put in the old, you know, the, the tongue-in-cheek and the, the, the smart one-liners and that, you know, and it all kind of in the package and it all kind of comes. But, you know, when you think about it, that's all the package of me, you know. There's yeah. there's the both the serious side and and there is that. And uh, I would let you know at the time, you know, even going to the matches, going up on buses and that, you know, I'd be down at the back of the bus now. And that time, you know, four or five lads would be smoking and then in the team, you know. And uh, there could be even ten, and especially in the bar lads, they, we seem to five or six seem to smoke. So you'd be down at the back. I would be rabbiting on on the back of the bus from half nine in the morning until we go up to the thing about nothing. And yeah. I'd say the likes of John Troy and the likes of Joyery and all these guys, I'd say they to get off the bus and say, what is that lad after talking about for the last <laughs> kind of two hours, you know? But it was just nerves, you know? And then kind of, you know, when we used to get to the, say, the Spa Hotel and, you know, you'd get off that bus and, and, and then you'd have your sandwiches at that time. It wasn't pasta or anything like that. Uh, cup of tea and sandwiches and there was a team meeting and, and the whole lot and then the focus really came on you know so yeah but it's it, funny it's funny that you're so nervous though Johnny because you never play you never looked like you were nervous on the field or did the nerves go on the field because like it was just all action style almost like where you attacked the game rather than played like you looked like you were nervous I, I think it's the case with everybody in, in, in the game in terms of I, I was very fortunate in terms of I was at the throwing and uh you're in it straight away. So the yeah. ball is thrown in and, and uh, you know, so you get, but everybody is. And I think just the, you know, even in the dressing room, I think, I think, and, and I try, I try to get through to people and, and it's kind of funny in terms of all the teams that have been involved in. And I said to them, I don't often say to them, I don't know how you're going to prepare mentally for this. I've done it each and every single way you can think of. I, you know, I've done it the right way and the wrong way and the whole lot. And just one day, you know, the, it's just a mental focus. And I think it actually kind of starts maybe on, on the Sunday prior to it. Yeah. But once the ball is thrown in, once the ball is thrown in, that's gone. And it's just concentration, I presume, kicked in and said, listen, you're looking at the game, you're looking at where the ball is going. 
and where you're hoping to be next and that. So, you know, it's the same for everybody that's there. It's the same for, you know, Shane Lowry when he plays golf for any of the Six Nation boys there when they're going out against Wales on Sunday. You know, they're going to, you know, that... But once that ball is kicked in, you know, you just tune into kind of where's the ball, how do I get hunters and that, you know? Yeah, you must have been very naturally fit to be able to have the few pints and, you know, like, I mean, two or three before a match. I think before the 94 All-Ireland, you had seven or eight pints at a wedding. That wasn't in the show now. I saw that in a, in a different right. interview. But, like, in, 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 in the laps and all, like we would have done in the 90s, like, I'm sure you would have been winning all of them. You would have been naturally athletic. I was, yeah, yeah. Like, that was the more fortunate. That, that's the one thing that I, I, I was blessed with. Uh, you know, in terms of that, there was two things. One, I was naturally fit. Um, I had a natural, you know, running ability. And the other thing is that I never had any injuries. I never pulled a muscle yeah. really. I think I had a slight strain one year or this and the other. So I had that natural ability and that all helped. So, uh, you know, whereas a few other lads on it, um, you know, did look at anything. They were always having to lose a, a pound or a stone or two and that. I didn't have any of those issues, you know. So yeah, you went. You went on some. Yeah, it was it was lucky for you, especially the injury stuff. You went on some run, um, Johnny, from the '94 Leinster. You won the '94 All Ireland, and that was the the greatest ending to an All Ireland final in the history. And well, that's my opinion, anyways. Like it'll never that'll never be seen again. Then you're club captain. You win a county title. You win the Leinster club title as captain. You win the All Ireland title as captain. And then you come back into Offaly, and you're Offaly captain, and you win the Leinster with Offaly, and then you're in the All Ireland final in '95. Yeah, yeah, um. yeah, sure. Listen, it's just it's just the way I suppose. I you know if it started to say in '94, I don't know how '94 could gone. I you know I would have been the person even saying, listen, that you know we'll you know what now we're going to win the All Ireland this year. You know, far from it. Yeah. Um. And even up to that, you know, even up to that Kenny game in the semi final, there wasn't anything to suggest that there was anything on a roll in terms of, you know, what was going to happen. Right. But I, and again, it kind of comes back down to, the, you know, I don't know if we were any fitter in 94 than we were in 93. We lost to Kenny in the semi-final in 93 by, you know, kind of a last-minute goal or that, you know. And in 92, we had brought to Kenny to, you know, we were winning by six points halfway through the, the second half and, and next thing Christy Hefflin comes on and turns the game on the head, you know. So our focus would have been on, on the Kenny game. And then we just hopped on to a buzz. And, and I just felt that in 95, in that kind of thing, there's 15 kind of individuals that just kicked on the day and that everything. And I think it epitomizes the second goal that Offaly got there, Joe Dooley got it, and the way it went. It went from a sideline into, I think, John Troy, John Troy into Billy Dooley, Billy Dooley into, into Joe Dooley. And it was, it, it, it was practice, but it... You know, and and it just kind of kicked off. Then after that, really, and it went on. Obviously, listen, the the the, the last five minutes is was kind of remarkable, and and that you know, in terms of what happened, not so much the two goals, but I think it was the four or five points afterwards yeah. was the more astonishing thing. You know, like uh, after that, you know, again, uh, you see, Ben Hanami was captain in '94, and for Claire and teams, you know, and say, let me get the moment of Declan Hannon, like I mean. We we had Martin Hanami. Martin Hanami was was a top class captain. You know, I mean, in terms of he was over a bunch of uh, he he was the lad in the middle 
uh, in terms of you had all us, which were all minor stars, if you wanted to call us, but winning all Ireland medals, you know, at minor level and a couple. Martin didn't have that. He didn't have the the eighties experience where say Jim Troy or just that now. So he was the kind of the, the, the rock of sense, the lad there that was kind of leading us all. Now, Eamon Keegan, I, I'd definitely say Martin didn't want it in the second after ninety four after going around with the cup and all of that. And and generally he's a kind of a shy man as well, you know. So right. if Martin didn't want it, like Martin should have really been captain right throughout his career, actually with Offley. There would have been no issue with him and and, and he would have we might have added a, a little bit more than we did. But so, you know, when it came to captaincy of Offley next year, I always feel that I, I was the next in line on the field. Now, off the field, I would have been the last person who put captain. <laughs> All right. But on the field, when they come to it, actually, I was always on the team sheet. Yeah. Um, I was never injured, you know. Uh, there were better Brian Whelan, Johnny Dooley, and John Troy were all kind of better and more influential hurlers than I was, but they were a, a year or two younger, you know, that kind of way. Right. So right. the older lads, the likes of Joe Dooley and Dignan and that, who would have been in Lineford, they'd be in and out of injuries as well, you know. So. And now maybe him and Creedon turned around and said, listen, I, uh, I put this uh, and this will kibosh him and, and, and uh, he'll he kind of concentrate an awful lot more on it and he do things right. So that kind of backfired on him really in a way. <laughs> well, that was it. But like, like, I mean, was a part of you going, Jesus, this is a huge honour and another part of you going, oh, Jesus, now I'm really going to have to pull up my socks. No, no, I don't. I listen, you know, I think... I, you know, I barely remember the day that Eamon Cregan actually told me that I was captain. I said, yeah, grand. I, you know, I don't, I don't bear much terms on, on, on the captaincy. And even, you know, when I'm above the teams and I pick a team, I pick the lad, you know, that's going to do his job in the field. Right. And, you know, again, I'm coming back to Martin Hanami, you know, very, very rarely put a foot wrong in, in, in a match. Very tough, kept it very simple. You know, you'd be a training with Martin Hanami and you'd have to, you know, you just you go out in the field and you'd be poking the ball across him. And this lad is burying the ball at you. And, you know, when he puts in the training, it's always 100%. You know, after Shane didn't he didn't bother him at all, he'd go for his two points as well. It didn't make any difference, you know. So um, in that kind of regard, you know, they say, listen, I was still, I was going to listen, I'm a mid-feeder. Listen, lads have to do their own thing here. Eamon Cregan or management do their job. Players do their job. What does the captain really do? You know. Yeah. And I think actually the only the only kind of things I had with kind of captaincy would have been with club level, where maybe a player was dropped off the team or dropped off. You know. And I I know that in '95 one of our players we played corner back and he was dropped for the All Ireland semi final. And you know you were going to the door back over to him just to kind of say, listen, you know, uh, you know. It's not as bad. Listen, come on to the match. He didn't want to. You know, obviously it was a big blow for him. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Yeah. Whereas no, in the county level, I, I don't think, well, maybe other captains are different, but I don't know. But that's the way I did it. I don't know. Well, I think maybe Offaly had an awful lot of leaders on that team that the captain wasn't, you know, as as maybe stand out. Uh, Dahi Regan was saying on the show um, beyond tonight that the 95 loss hit you hard. Uh, it took you a while to get over it. And you, you made a funny comment about it saying it's because of Anthony Daly clear lifting the cup like you've seen it thousands and thousands of times since. Yeah. Well, again, I suppose there's two things on it. I mean, you know, I don't really dwell on 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 the loss. I mean, you know, right, we lost in All Ireland. I mean, and 
the game itself I did okay in the game itself so and, and I think I've said it before there that actually and Dahi would be a prime example I mean you know Dahi had a fantastic game in 95 but he was absolutely diabolical in 94 and he doesn't appreciate the medal actually really in 94 because his performance wasn't in it so yeah. I think you know by performance in the thing would be I think any land coming out the field if the performance isn't there that's worse than actually the result and uh, I think just as you say in, in 95 by the time we came back around to the club championship in 95 we were after doing the intercount there we were after winning the club in 95 and in, in, in thing and we had an 18 months and I think it was always in the modern day it's called burnout and you just kind of fed up with the whole lot of it you know yeah, you just need and, a little bit of a mental then, break. A little bit of a mental break is right and just kind of get away from it. And again, of course, in 95, so at that stage, you're 25 and so listen, you're drinking pints and you're having, you're going here and you're saying to yourself, listen, the club championship is coming on us. So listen, how about what should we deal with it? And we're just going through it. Whereas, you know, all it was maybe was maybe listen a month or, 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 you know, maybe two months at that stage just to, you know, down the tools and come back at it again in January, you know. How do you feel looking back at the, the run-in with Babs that time now, the sheep in a heap? You obviously had the last laugh. I didn't realise, I don't remember the interview after the final where you were interviewed at the banquet and you said, we're not a bad old flock, we're not a bad old flock oh, at all. Yeah, that was that was a brilliant, I suppose you can look back at that laughing now, whereas if, if it hadn't turned out the way you did, you know, you would have probably another completely different opinion on it. Um... No, um, I'm supposed to be older. Well, I am older, but whether I'm any wiser or not, I don't know. I don't know. No, I look back at it, and, and it's just the circumstances that 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 it kind of what it brought to it. And I, you know, I've said it before. I was coming home in a car after the Leinster final. Now our performance in the in the Leinster final wasn't marvelous, you know. And right. yeah, it wasn't a classic game by any chance, or by any uh, marvelous. But we did okay, and I mean, we didn't really deserve to lose. I know Kilkenny got two goals in there from two frees, which was six points. I think we could have been three, two or three points ahead, and I think we got a goal, a goal from a 21-yard free. And I think, you know, a couple of minutes after that, we got another 21-yard free, and even the ball didn't even, it just barely crossed the line, you know. So we missed an awful lot of opportunities, and we didn't play particularly well. So I was in the car actually uh, with, with a couple of friends of mine on the way down and he just seemed to be on that 6-1 news, half one. And I was just saying to myself, you know, he just, uh, you know, going away from that, uh, you know, taking the responsibility. It was all door blinds out there. This is all I can remember. I can't even remember the sheep and heap remark, but it was all a case that they're not doing what they were told and, and yeah. they were at the problem, you know. Whereas the kind of, you know, a manager, uh, you know, now Bab earlier on in the season also had a little issue with us because I think one of the last, or we arranged a challenge match with Tipperary down in Torres. And we were after playing club championships at the same weekend. So it was it was on on, on, on a Sunday in April. And I think the kind of league final could have been on in Torres. And we were playing the far side of Torres. So half of them bother going anyway because we were after playing club championships. And the ones that did, half of them got stuck on the way down, you know. So I ended up with a <laughs> Mickey Mouse team down playing. And and, and Baz was furious about that. And, and that made the news as well. And one of the comments on the news is, oh, this wouldn't happen in Tipperary. And this will only happen in, in, in the likes of Offaly and Westmead. And if you want to kind of call it out, the second tier um, horrors. Yeah. You know? So... 
I mean, kind of harsen with the whole generalization of the of of the of the of his of his comments. That so you know, you went home there, and then and we had a few pints that night, and listened to talk with Vanity as well. I think it is. Next morning, anyway, Liam Horn rang me and that, you know, and uh, I was still in the same form, still in the same frame of mind, you know, I didn't bother. I'm still in the same frame of mind to this day, uh, which, is, which, is, which is what it is. But, um, and uh, I remember we went back into Wheeling's pub, of course, that, you know, the Monday after Leinster final around five o'clock, and the lads were kind of given over now on the thing. And I just, I remember just talking to Johnny and Joe do this. Everybody's ready to see the paper tomorrow morning, <laughs> and uh, and that was it. Now, you know, you know, look back and out, it was grand. I I don't know what happened between an alternate or a county board chairman. You know, there was no like, I mean, how come Bab didn't come in and sort this out in the dressing room on the Tuesday night? You know, why wasn't it even a meeting call to that? I don't know. Do you do you think do you think Johnny do you think Babs wanted out at that stage? Like I mean, how, like you mentioned a challenge game, but like was there tension there? You know, had things not been going well under no, him? No, I no, I don't think there was tension actually in it at all. I mean, I don't think actually the Offaly players really didn't do tension as such. We kind of plotted along and we kind of went along, and I mean, in all fairness to the whole setup, I I just felt that two things. Babs had Johnny Murray, who was a, a selector. Now we were doing. You know, unusual running, I put it, in terms of in April and May, in terms of that that hard kind of slogan that we were that you would normally do in January, February. That right. was continuing on until May and, and June. You know, um, so you know we were quite happy we were doing this all right. You know, and there wasn't anything from my side. Like maybe one or two lads went up to Babs and said, "Listen, you know, we need to be doing more hurling here." But there wasn't the results. Prior to that, wasn't any different than any other years from my memory and that, you know. Right. But that, at the same time, wasn't really engaged with us, you know. Um, the couple of things there that it just it just didn't seem to... And, and to be honest with you, I've been involved with teams myself and half-hearted or only kind of, you know, three quarters in it. And, you know, it wasn't that he was doing kind of anything wrong, but I just felt there that, you know, that engagement wasn't there like, other managers would be, you know, we had John McIntyre, I think, came in after or before him in '97, and very enthusiastic, and you know, he was pushing lads and doing all the right things, and uh, you know, it just didn't happen either for John McIntyre in terms of a performance in months of the year before wasn't hectic either. So, but I just felt that he wasn't, Bam wasn't the hundred percent, you know, you right. have to say, you know. And, and I suppose the big one from looking from the outside that I have been reading is that he tried to move you away from ground hurling. I suppose ground hurling would have been a big part of your game. It was, and I suppose, nearly a big part of it. But I think, actually, when you take a look at it, is that, you know, every manager brings his own, his, his own style of play that he's yeah. to play. And it was that, I was looking at, um, you know, the 1973 All-Ireland after, you know, a few years after Raymond Cregan went to that. And I just couldn't get over the similarities between that limited 73 team and our own team. And it was moved ball. And Eamon Cregan, obviously, was a very good uh, tactical hurler, um, skillful hurler in that. And that, and that limited team were moving the ball and moving it well. Now, Offaly were doing that as well. And, and that has been our game in terms of move that ball, move it quickly into the full forward line, crisscross it. Um, and I'll go back to that. Brian Cody actually once commented, he says, listen, playing against Rockley, you just don't know where the ball is coming from. 
Right. Now, Bab is the way, the way I feel about it is the Cabrera style of hurling is listen, we get the ball in our half forward line and we take out our half, our, our full forward line. So we kind of hold it up there in that middle of the field and we look up. And he was bringing that style, he was bringing the Tipperary style to, to Offaly. Right. Know? And I think actually Eamon O'Shea had, a, had an article in a paper there not too long ago and I thought it was a very valid point. I mean, you know, you can't take the spirit out of the county. Each county has all different kind of little styles. If you go to Galway, it's a physically strong running style that they have and that's what they're doing. Kilkenny, direct, let's pump it up there, put it in high, you take Cody, that's the way he hurls, that's the way he had his team. Actually, it was kind of similar to Cork. We move a ball and move it quickly. And Tipperary were kind of more folded up and we'd be physical and take on the man, you know? Right. And I think that's where he kind of, you know, he he, he brought, he was bringing his knowledge of hurling and not combining with the Offaly knowledge of, 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 uh, of hurling, you know? Yeah, I get you. Yeah, every county has their own kind of style. You call the '98 All Ireland the People's All Ireland. Is that? I suppose that is fair enough. You wouldn't have won it without the people. Of all. There must have been a huge feeling of unity within the county after winning that one. Ah, uh, there was. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you know, really declared. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the day in Torles and uh, I don't know if it, if the ball. I got a bit emotional actually even talking about coming back into the square. Yeah, in, in Torres, and that you know, where are you? Why are you doing that? You easy child, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a very special day was was the clear thing. And but the fact, you know, I don't think, I, and I definitely say, I don't think it would have been pursued if you didn't have the sit down, you know. And I, you know, I think it would have been brushed under the cap and probably or said, well, listen, we're going to go with the referee's report or whatever. And it was an unusual thing. It was an unusual thief and that, you know. Um, so definitely it was, and I think the homecoming actually, I think, you know, the people of Offaly felt part of it, you know, more so than anything. Then, you know, it's just not a team. Everybody was responsible, you know. So yeah. There's a great little story, actually, you know, I have a brother-in-law from Kildare, and Kildare and Kerry were playing in the under-21B final afterwards. And so... Crowd went in the Saturday on on the on, on the field anyway, and he came back to bar anyway, and he turns around and he was sitting at home with the pair of my own parents, whatever, and he says joking, he says, "Oh, I, I'm disgusted there with you, Ashley, dude, sitting on the field." And I went up to look at a uh, hurling uh, all Ireland, you know, thing, and they did that. So he said, "Listen, Ashley, if you have problems, write to the GA and complain that you never got to see your big player hurlers or whatever, you know." He wrote to the to to the co-pair. He sent them back two tickets for the Kildare football match in 98, which would have been a thought-out then for the following <laughs> week. So he, he was happy enough then that he didn't get to see Kildare other, so he got to see Kildare, the lovely Kildare footballers all because of Offaly sitting on the field. <laughs> it's funny, Paul Galvin actually was hurling. It was Kildare against Kerry, I think, in, in that That's game. Right. Paul- Paul Galvin yeah. was was hurling for Kerry that day, um, which was, yeah, which was a good one. He was telling me there recently. Yeah. A couple of funny ones there before you go. You you gave up smoking when you retired. I thought that was a classic. Michael Dignan was saying. Yeah, yeah, it just so happened actually. Um, after, about a year after, and actually <laughs> just gave it up. It's I don't know. It's just the way it worked out. Listen, I, I suppose size the cigarettes do have a, have an issue with it. But smoking, there was a lot of people smoking at that time, and and the whole lot. I think Serge Blanco used to smoke forty or fifty cigarettes a day as well. But uh, yeah, it just so happened. Myself and a couple of friends there, we got together, and thankfully two of us are still off them. And uh, 
Um, you know, a third lad went back on them after two or three years. So yeah, yeah, it just happened out. Yeah. Zinedine Zidane was another smoker in the World Cup in '98, so it was all in the, it was all the vogue maybe back then. And would you would you would, how big of a smoker were you? Would you need one at half time? You know what are you what are you looking at? Well, well, it's not so much the things are actually habits and and that you know in terms of it was a smoker when you kind of came up first onto the Offaly thing, like you know you'd go into the dressing room and Jim Troy would be sitting there, and Jim Troy of course is another smoker, you know. But, uh, and, you know, obviously, you, you know, when you're starting off, you're kind of hiding the fact that you're not going to smoke in the dressing room, whereas Jim Driver would be puffing away, you know. As time went on, it was only kind of manners there that they went into the toilet, they went into the shower, the two or three lads, and you'd be having a puff, you know, and that, you know. So, um, actually, one one of those, actually, one of them, you know, the Leinster final, one of them I went in, actually, and... Uh, uh, I had the usual, you take a cigarette out of the pocket and then the lighter and that, and you went in and you had a, a quick smoke and a, and a chat with a couple of lads. And so, it's, you know, it's only easy to do things. Put the cigarette lighter in the sock and uh, went off. Anyway, came back out to meet the, 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 the half time talk was going on or whatever. Back out onto the field, played away anyway. So, the craft came back in, put off my sock, and here the cigarette lighter fell out. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it was just, it was just, listen, it was something I was smoking at that time. I picked it up actually at 16, stupidly, like everything, and uh, finished up with them, and thanks for God, I'm awesome. Okay, and come here, to finish up, you retired at 30. Like, I mean, especially you're so athletic and you're so fit. You know, was that just getting tired of the whole thing? Like, physically, I'm sure, you, with no injuries, you could have stayed going. Um, yeah, well, of course, you see, all right, my natural ability and my lifestyle then that way, you know, at 30, you know, the, the natural thing, you know, the legs get a, got a little bit slower and, and the pace. Now, it's, it's actually gas, you know, when you're like, you know, you start off in the middle of the field, right? started off in the middle of the field and I was going up and down the field. Like, I remember playing in the Leicester final in, in 1990 and I was going from 21 to 21 and actually, uh, uh, Richie Power's father, who I was on, stood between the two sixty five. I think he had three points scored, and you know, standing between the two sixty five. And whereas I was going up busy all day doing nothing, you know. And as you get experience, you begin to say, "Well, listen, I'm not going to run there because you know there's no need. That'll come back out to me." So then people think you run out of steam, and and then you're moved. Right. You know? So when you get the experience, you're moved out of the middle of the field because you're not running enough and anything that you know. So, um, but again, at 30, you know, I finished up in 2001, which was, you know, you know short of the 31st uh, thing. I suppose I felt there when I went back and, and I was selector, Pat Malachny asked me at kind of around Christmas time, I just wore it in, in 2000, listen, was it going to go back for another year? And I said, listen, it's like this, if we, if we draw to Kenny, I will. Because I said, listen, if we can beat to Kenny in 2000, we've, we've a good shot at it. We were out again well hockeyed by Kilkenny in, in the All-Ireland previous days. We did uh, beat Cork all right, you know. Um, we would I would have fancied ourselves against the likes of Westford and, and, and that, but Kilkenny were the big ones. So, and they came out there and, and, and the better. So that was kind of that. Um, I suppose looking back and then, you know, this is then at the stage where you have to kind of mind yourself. Uh, you have to yeah. kind of make the sacrifices. And other little things, I remember talking to actually DJ Carey about five or six years afterwards, you know, or three or four years after, actually, you know. And he was talking, listen, at this stage he was doing Pilates and that, you know. 
And, you know, no one kind of ever said that to me in, in terms of that, you know. So he was doing that to, to prolong the body and the whole lot. But saying that as well, listen, you know, I, I just didn't have the hunger then either, you know, right. and I think you need that bit of hunger. And the same happened with my own club. Like, I mean, the, the hunger just went out of the club then, just, you know, in around 2004, where I was 32, 34. Now at this stage, I'm about two stone overweight. You're, <laughs> fo- you're at full forward at that stage, are you? I, I'm at full forward. Well, I moved in there into full forward at that stage, yeah, you know. But at this stage now, the training wasn't doing anything. I was after putting on the weight. And of course, maybe the fact that I went off the cigarettes put it on as well and the running wasn't there. But again, you know, just when I think about it, it, it uh, you know, you were getting up after a training session, especially in 2000, the next morning, and there was a soreness and a stiffness there you know, after the night's training session, you know. So, again, the recovery, which would have been none at that time. And now it's such an important part of it, uh, uh, of the game. You know, it just wasn't there. So, you know, you could have you could have put on another two or three years there doing the recovery sessions, even off a bit and running and, and that. But, I mean, you know, I had probably enough of success anyway at that stage and kind of maybe fed up with Harlan as well. I think I think if you're starting to do if you're already getting to the stage where you're getting fed up of it and you have to do recovery sessions and all that kind of stuff, you'd be fairly quickly made fed up of it if you want to start doing all of that. Yeah, I, well, you know, I, I yeah, I think you know maybe the team is breaking up as well and, and the whole. Well, that yeah, was a big thing. Yeah. All factors. And yeah. the one thing is that I never regretted actually, um, you know, finishing. I, you know, I, I was never one to choose. I should have held on for another two years or three years or this, that and the other. And I wasn't going to be one of those players, these impact subs, you know, because they work about maybe one in ten. You know, you'll come on yeah. ten or one and, you, and you, you'll score that winning goal or whatever. And then you'll come on the next nine games and you won't hit a ball. So I wasn't going to be that kind of an impact sub either, you know. For me, so. Yeah, no, I don't think that's for anyone. Come here, listen, uh, Johnny, thanks very much for doing the show. Like, I mean, I, I hope you enjoy it and look back on incredible times in the 90s. Maybe in the pub when people come in, you know, you do that anyways, do you? Would you have people in looking to talk about matches the whole time where you're, where you, where you're having to go do the nostalgia talks all the time? Well, this is a few people who come up and that and you know I feel sometimes it gets tiring in, in terms of oh we're not going through 98 again or you know and especially generally it can be the same kind of lad asking about it and that you know <laughs> but it's nice to talk it's nice to talk to people that you don't know about it and, and it's nice that they actually appreciate it like I mean you know, I was even just talking to my own brother-in-law, uh, you know, and he's from Tipperary and he came down around that time in 98 and that. And, you know, people around the town here, and it's the enjoyment, of, you know, of going to, to, to Crow Park, of going to these big matches and the enjoyment afterwards. And it, I suppose what we don't realise is that the, how much how much of a pleasure and how much memories that we give uh, to people. You know, I remember just, yeah. just talking to a pub owner in Burr and, you know, he was saying, and actually won the All-Ireland in, in 1980, you know, like, you know, the pubs didn't didn't close for three months, you know, <laughs> and they remember it and that, you know. And uh, it was the same, like, I mean, we, we just had a fantastic time with, with actually going to our big games and, and also Burr as well with all these big and, the, you know, um, replays and, and, and all that so it was a great time and there was great parties and there was great great crack with them so 
Great time. I, I enjoyed them immensely and I'm a leash man, so that's saying a lot, Johnny. Um, <laughs> come here, thanks very much for doing the show, uh, Johnny. And remind everyone, it's Lake Regale tonight at half past nine, um, so hope you all enjoy it. Johnny, thanks very much. Thank you, Mr. Bye. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are on the... We're trying hard to make it through, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, hard, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>